Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. I am excited today to have the privilege of sharing the gospel with all of our listeners. And we wanted to continue our discussion from the Apostle uh, John in his epistle, uh, 1 John. As we indicated before, this letter, uh, 1 John, was sent to Christians that they may be cognizant of the subtle erroneous doctrines that were permeating the society. Likewise, we in the 21st century, we also must be sensitive and aware of doctrines that are inconsistent with those espoused by the Bible. John, during this time, uh, when the letter was written was sharing with the recipients of the letter concerning the rise of Gnosticism. And as we said before, Gnostics uh, or those that were part of the Gnostic movement taught that the physical or material world was evil. So for example, uh, anything that's material in their teachings were uh, was evil. Uh, the body was evil. The uh, the tree is evil. Anything you could touch was evil. Anything in the material world was evil. So as a result, when it came to their theology, they taught a minimalistic view of the body, meaning that they devalued the body, and to them their soul was entrapped in their body so as a result they preached against the body and when it came to Christ they didn't view Christ as coming in a physical form they taught that Christ only appeared to have a physical body and so many of the Gnostic teaching was inconsistent with the teachings uh, from the, uh, the Bible itself so John is writing to his followers, to the believers in Christ uh, concerning this heretical movement. And we must learn from John in terms of standing boldly for Christian principles and sharing in love the truth of the Bible. When we last talked, we left off on verse six, chapter one. Where John writes, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not uh, the truth. So John is basically saying it's not enough for us to say that we are Christians. It's not enough to say that we know the truth. But the other side of it is if we are uh conduits if, if if we are reflections of the truth then our lifestyle 
has to be consistent with what we verbalize. So if we so if we say we know Jesus, we have to exhibit Christ like tendencies. So John, I love the way John writes. It's so simplistic that anybody can understand. If I say I know you and I have been around you and we've been around each other for a while, then there are some tendencies I pick up from you. Likewise, if we say we know God, but yet we don't have God like tendencies, we're not going through the sanctification process. John says that we lie. So if we have fellowship with him, if we spend time with God through prayer, if we spend time with God through reading of the Bible, if we spend time with God through studying of the scriptures and yet we walk as though we've never had a prayer session and we walk as those we've never been through, uh, listened to a sermon and we walk as though we've never read the Bible. John says in verse six, we lie and do not the truth. So it's important as believers that we all take this journey seriously, that we all do our part to get to know Christ intimately. It's not enough for your pastor or elder or minister to know the truth. It's not enough for us to sit at the feet of those who teach us the wisdom that comes from the Bible. We have to do our part and our part is to take up our cross and, and to walk and to make sure that the things we're learning from Bible study, the things we're learning from worship service is carried out. So if I'm struggling, this verse reminds us that it's not enough just to give in to our struggles. It's not enough just to give in to our temptations. We have to do something about it because to not work on the issues that we have is to keep us separated from the closeness that we can have with our God. So John says, don't fool yourself. There are those who attend church every day, but their coworkers don't know that they are Christians because of the way they carry themselves. There are those who say they love the Lord, but you will never see it in their conduct, uh, whether in real life or on social media. They are those who say they've been a Christian for X amount of years. But yet no one around them can see them bear any Christian fruits. So it's important that each one of us. Uh, that we uh, search ourselves. And especially as Paul reminds us during communion time that, that we think about what the resurrection means that Jesus died for all of our issues. So if you have a problem with uh, not spending your money wisely, Christ died for that. He has an, he has an answer to help us to not be uh, tempted by the issues inside of us that causes us to not spend our money wisely. If you have a problem with uh, lust Christ died for that that we may be uh, overcomers over our lust issues you have a problem with unforgiveness Christ died for that that we may not be held hostage by our unforgiving spirit 
So if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse seven, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. So verse seven is really a spin of verse six for verse six says, if we if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. But verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So if you say you have fellowship and walk in darkness, you are a liar. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one and another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So God has a standard. And each one of us as believers, we all have our own blind spots. And I often share with people that uh, before I was married in my singleness, you never, I didn't realize how many blind spots that I had. But once I became married, my wife was able to point out some things that I didn't see in myself that I needed to work on. And so each one of us as a Christian, we have blind spots and whatever your blind spot is, uh, things that you can't see about yourself. God, through Christ, has made it possible that we can overcome our blind spots. Then there are things that we know for certain. We know that we struggle with it. We know that we've been holding on for it for many years. And there are things we know are blatantly and explicitly inconsistent with what God wants us to do. And John reminds us that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the power. We have access to the power to overcome these things. So if we d desire to have a harmonious relationship with our Savior, and if we want God to be able to do some ex extraordinary things through us and to bless our ministry and to bless our homes and to bless our path, then we have to do our part. We must first, uh, through fellowship, not walk in darkness. And walking in darkness is as simple as professing to know Christ, according to John. Professing to know Christ, but yet living habitually uh, in, in the opposite directions of what the tenets of the Bible are saying. So those things that you read in the scriptures uh, that we are violating, that is walking in darkness. It's, it's a habit. It's, it's your normal tendency. And I'm not talking about a Christian who stumbles or fall uh, momentarily. Rather, I'm talking about a Christian who premeditates their sin, a Christian who knows that what they're doing is wrong, but yet continually do the same thing over and over again without seeking help, without addressing the issues. So John is writing again to a body of believers. And he says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us all from all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Romans 3.10 reminds us that as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Then 3.23, Paul says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this is what John is referring to, that we all have been saved from habitually sin and we all have been saved from the dominance of sin. However, once we become a Christian, we no longer premeditate sin, but it's possible to fall into sin momentarily. We don't embrace sin. We don't live with sin like we used to. Sin no longer dominates us as uh, as it once did before we accepted Christ. But now that we have Christ in us and we have access to the Holy Spirit, he's able to give us power that, uh, for us to overcome the dominating effect of sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. How many believers or people that confess to be believers uh, in the 21st century are comfortable in their lifestyle that is contrary to the teachings of Christ? They say they know God, but they are comfortable with fornicating. They are comfortable in uh, envy. They are comfortable with pride. They are comfortable with unforgiveness. They are comfortable with selfishness. And John is saying this should not be the case. If we confess our sins, he, which is God, he is faithful. And he is just to forgive us our sins. And the question that uh, I have for a lot of Christians is, are we willing to agree with God that this is right versus that which is wrong? If God has identified certain actions as wrong, then he's God. Certain actions are wrong. And if he's, categorize something else as righteous, then we have to agree with God that this is righteous. There are many things that we struggle with and it's comfortable for us, but God has already labeled them as sin. God has already labeled them as unrighteous. And we, in order to get the help we need, we have to first agree with God that those things are wrong. And once we agree with God that certain actions are wrong. Then we are able to get the help that we need. But until we agree with God that certain actions are unrighteous, that certain actions are against his nature and violate godly principles, we will never get the help that we need. If we want peace in our lives, we must first confess our sins. If we want joy in our life, then we have to first uh, get over or get through these unrighteous acts that we're committing that God would uh, hear us and respond to us in a way that will produce the joy and peace. God is not going to override himself. If he's already forbidden something, God has already forbidden, forbade it, and we can't change his mind. So we have to conform to the image of his invisible son. 
or, or uh, the, the visible son who came uh, to die for our sins. And again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing too big that God can't deliver us from. There's nothing too sensitive that would shock God. God knew what we were thinking before we thought it. God knew what we were going to do before we did it. God knows what is going to happen before it's even done. So he invites us to come and talk to him. And I often share with people that prayer is not for God. Prayer is for us. Prayer is to help us understand the will of God. Prayer is for us to gain uh, more power from letting go of the sin that riddle us. Prayer is for God to give us clarity about what we're doing now and what's going to happen in the future. Prayer is designed to clear the air so that we don't feel as though we're doing anything so secretive that God doesn't know about. So this is why you ought to pray. Jesus says, man, ought to always pray. First uh, Thessalonians 517 reminds us that we ought to pray constantly. Pray without stopping. And we pray because we don't want to be thrown off track by our own humanistic desires or by the wiles of the devil himself. It's easy to get off track if you haven't been talking to God. So prayer is for you and I. It's not for God. It's for us. It's for us to receive the help that we need from heaven. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. So John is saying the reality is as Christians, we are not dominated by sin. If you are a Christian, you should not be dominated by sin. If you find yourself still doing the same things over and over again, you shouldn't be comfortable with that. You should get some help so that you will not be held hostage by uh, the schemes of the devil himself. The devil wants you to be in a constant state of peril where you are living in a way that's inconsistent with God's standards. He desires that. But God doesn't. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to Christ that you can overcome your can't help it. That's what I call it. A lot of people say, well, I can't help it because I've always done it this way. Well, that's what Jesus died for. Jesus died for your can't help us. I can't help but to curse people out. I can't help but to retaliate uh, uh, physically when people make me upset. I can't help but to be dishonest. No, Christ died for that. He died for your can't help us. What, whatever your issues are, whatever your urges are, whatever your natural instincts are that are contrary to the will of God, Jesus nailed it on a cross. 
and he invites you. If you're listening to me on the radio right now, God is inviting you into a loving and intimate relationship by the way of his son, Jesus the Christ. There's nothing that you've done that's so egregious that he can't save you from. And he gives us an examples all through the scriptures. Moses killed a man, but God still called him. The apostle Paul uh, was uh, a person that persecuted God's own people, but God still called him. And so there are numerous instances in the scripture of men and women who had faults, but God called, called them into the fold that he may use them for the glory of his kingdom agenda. Remember Rahab is uh, one of the female progenitors whereby the Messiah uh, came through the same lineage. So even Rahab uh, is linked to Jesus Christ and she was a prostitute. So God can use anyone regardless of where you came from. God can save you. He can restore you. He can sanctify you and put you back on the right footing so you can be in good standards with him. So God is calling. God is calling all of us as Christians to number one, get to know his son, Jesus Christ. And knowing Jesus Christ is actually knowing the will of God, the father. And in reading his gospels and reading the word of God, reading the Bible, we learn about God's ways, what he likes and what he doesn't like. And that's how we grow. We learn how to be better human beings only through Christ, not through good works, not through your degrees, not through your pedigree, not through the, uh, your culture, not through your neighborhood. If we want to be perfect in a sense that uh, if we want to be accepted by God, if we want to be to be uh, commended by God, we have to first accept his son, Jesus Christ. Then once we accept Jesus, we realize that he gives us an assignment. This assignment is the ministry of reconciliation. God desires for us to testify and to tell others about him and his gospel. And so I'm urging you, if you're listening to me on radio, I'm urging you to please pick up your cross, to stand boldly for Christ in the 21st century, that the glory of God may shine through your life, that the light may illuminate and bless you as well as those around you. Well, we've run out of time and we will continue this discussion through the book of first John chapter one. And we pray that you consider becoming a financial sponsor of sound reasoning that we may go forth and continue training Christians in sound doctrine. And please do for the truth what others do for a lie. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.